Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm joined by my co-host Max Mallow. And like we promised earlier this week, we have a double feature this week, two episodes. Super, super fun. We're really, really excited to talk about Midnight Mass, if I can talk today. Um, Because as we've teased in previous episodes, we are obsessed with the show. One of the best shows of the year, if not in a really long time. So we're going to be really positive this time with the review. Yeah, I think it's safe to say coming into this year after Bly Manor, you and I yeah. were a little burnt out on Mike Flanagan. We are like, okay, you know. Uh, Hill House was great. Was it potentially a one-off? You know, there are other movies out there um, that I think are really underrated, like Oculus. But... yeah. You know, when we heard that he was doing a new project, aside from the Haunting series that came out uh, two years ago and last year, uh, you know, we were interested. But obviously, if you listen to our Halloween Kills episode and you listen to other episodes, everyone would know that that was our most anticipated release of the year. We were super excited for that. When this came out, Natalie would not stop talking about it to me. She was like, this is amazing. It's the best thing. I love it. And I'm like, okay. And I've said before that when Natalie says that, it's really good because she doesn't hand out, you know, <laughs> high praise all that often. Um, but yeah, after I watched it, um, safe to say, favorite thing that's come out this year, um, easily horror, not horror. It's been mm-hmm. um, super successful. I think it's eons above both Hill House and Blind Manor. I think it's the best yeah. thing he's ever done, uh, and I am so excited to talk about it. It's it's not for everybody. I think a lot of people can probably watch this and get a little bored because there's a lot of monologues. It is a slow burn. It does take some while to get ramped up, but it is worth it in the end to experience these seven episodes because it's it's near perfection. I love it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you. Watching this is such an experience, and I feel like once it kind of got going, like maybe second episode, I was crying like every single episode just because it's so beautiful. And the, the performances in this show, we will talk about a million times because it's phenomenal. Yeah, my girlfriend was the same way. She Every episode crying, sending me TikToks of like people talking about and being like, the show just makes you feel some like deep as existential yes. dread. And I'm like, yo, sign me up. Let's watch this. And then yeah. seven episodes later, I'm like, that was... It's beautiful. It's literally, it's not the most, uh, it's not the scariest thing in the world. No. Um, there are a couple good jump scares that got me, as obviously if you've watched Blind Manor or Hill House, Flanagan is great at putting in jump scares when you don't expect them. Because, mm-hmm. you know, once you train your brain enough, you know when they're coming. 
yeah. in, in horror movies. But Flanagan, you, you son of a bee, you got me a couple times. Um, but yeah, I mean, the cast um, has re- returning members from other projects that Flanagan has done. Uh, it's got Zach Guilford, a.k.a. Matt Saracen, QB1, Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, Can't Lose. Um, and just the performances across the board from every character. Top notch. Top tier. The one in particular that we will harp on the most is Hamish Linklater as Father Paul. Just, yeah. if he doesn't win all the awards, something yeah. went wrong. And I'm not an overtly religious man, but man, that guy makes me want to be religious. He is so good when he is on the screen. He he draws your attention to him whenever he's either front and center or in some of the scenes we'll talk about with him and Riley, um, who's our quote-unquote main protagonist of the story. Um, it's it's amazing. He is utterly fantastic. And if you're a big horror fan, he's uh, partners with Lily Rabe, and they have children together, and Lily Rabe obviously... Um, American Horror Story alum. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's like a, a match made in heaven. I was like, yo, I didn't know this. And you're like, yeah, how'd you not know that? <laughs> I know. I love it. But, yeah, honestly, perfect cast. I honestly wish that there were a few more Hill House and Bly Manor alums, but that's okay. We got the best of the best. And, yeah, I guess, should we get into it? Yeah. Um, so, for this first half of our view, or three, uh, Thirds, rather. We're going to break it up into episodes yeah. one through three, four, five, and six, and then episode seven, the finale, as its own standalone review, because there's a lot to break down and decipher from the finale. Um, but the way this show is paced out, like, the first three episodes fit really nicely together. After mm-hmm. episode three, four, five, and six, things get crazy, and then seven is the big conclusion to it all. So, yeah, um, yeah we can uh, we can get underway. Cool. So, like you said, kind of, when you went into this, Obviously, I hyped it up a lot, but coming off of Bly Manor, where were your expectations taking away what I said about it? Because I had kind of none. It looked pretty good, the trailer, but I I went into this being like, okay, this might be good. Yeah, I think, um, you know, getting to that, like, we both watched the Malignant trailer and we were like, yo, this looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't really have any idea of what that movie would be about. And I don't think anybody could have predicted what yeah. happened in that movie. Um, but yeah, I went in completely blind in terms of plot. Um, I don't think I saw a trailer. Maybe I did. Um, but I was going off of you uh, and my girlfriend and two of my best friends who were just like, watch the show. What are you doing? Hurry up. Um, and my expectations were at some sort of... Well, let's see, you know, I wasn't like opposed to watching it, but I think, I think this may, like after watching this, I kind of want to go back and rewatch Blimander to see if my opinion changes on it because you and I both know that we were like, okay, Hill House was scary. Like this needs to be on a level of scary and needs to tell the same sort of, you know, uh, level of plot and, and detail. And it was a completely different story, more or less. It was a love story. It wasn't really a ghost story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if my opinion would change on it now. But, yeah, I was so-so middle of the road, you know, just like, okay, let's see what you got, Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I was kind of that way as well. And I will say that watching this, 
I was I was honestly addicted. Like I could not wait for work to be over just so I could go on my couch and watch episode after episode. Literally, I would like be watching it with my headphones on because my boyfriend would be watching football and the amount of times that I audibly like gasped and like jumped. <laughs> He'd be like, "What the hell are you watching?" And I'm like, "Don't ask. It's just the best show I've ever seen." Like <laughs> I was just obsessing about it. So so yeah, I think we can we can kind of get into the first episode and I guess intro our characters. Yeah. Also, before before we do that, like this show, for those who know, like the leftovers mm. was my favorite show that I've seen, like kind of like pre lockdown, like a month or two before, and mm-hmm. during quarantine, uh, in the pandemic, this show has overtaken that as just perfection it's it's like it's unbelievable that um such a show can be put together that does it it packs so much into seven episodes but it's also a very tight and cohesive story with um some of the best script writing and dialogue that i've ever seen in a show like again it's monologue heavy we'll get into it people want to call it midnight monologues (laughs) but um i think they're all super valuable to the plot um but yeah, episode one. Uh, there's seven episodes. All of them are titled after a different book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Bible question mark? Okay, cool. Like I said, not overtly religious. Um, book one, Genesis, um, kicks off with a bit of a grim start uh, mm-hmm. and kind of sets you on this tale of like, okay, what is this show going to be about? Um, yeah. We have our main character, Riley Flynn, who is played by Zach Guilford. Um, he is on the side of the road, clearly inebriated, um, and was just in a drunk driving accident uh, in which he uh, killed a young woman. And he is clearly way over the limit, the legal limit of, of you know, driving uh, while intoxicated. And he, it's very emotional. You know, he, it's very real. It's very jarring at first to get put right into the situation. Yeah. But Zach Guilford does a great job at getting you invested in his character arc, especially where it starts. Yeah, I agree. I really like this opening, and I think it was interesting because it opened up not on Crockett Island, which was cool. Like, we don't really ever get anything else outside of Crockett Island, so it made it seem like here's the real world, and now he's going to go back into this place that is just not reality to me. Um, and yeah, I love the way that, you know, I feel like it kind of subverted, subverted your expectations a little bit, just because usually when there's an accident going on, you're seeing it from the perspective of the person affected. Like I, at first I did not know that he was the driver that hit someone. I thought he was someone who was hit and like, you know, we're going to follow that story. So I love that. And like right off the bat, we kind of know, okay, this person is troubled. He's flawed, but he's apparently going to be the main character. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and there's a startling image um, of the the woman who dies in the in the accident laying on the ground with, um, you know, glass shards in her face. It's, it's very disturbing very early on. Um, and, you know, from there, he obviously he goes to jail. Um, I believe he pleads guilty, uh, and then he serves four years in prison. Um, and his first night in prison, and we only get one night in prison, which is very important, but Flanagan does a great job at showing what happens on his first night, and you can expect that the rest of his 
his time served was exactly the same thing, which I love, because he gets into his cell, he lays down, he goes to bed, and as the camera is zooming in on him, and Flanagan is a master when it comes to this with the cinematography, especially in something like Hill House, where he directs your eyes one way with the camera, yeah, um, and then something happens. But you can see police lights start to kind of go off, and you're kind of confused, like, is he starting to have a dream sequence, something? Um, but it quickly jumps across uh, the first jump scare of the show. Um, and if you're afraid of jump scares, it's not filled with jump scares, but it's yeah. very early on to grab your attention. Um, and it's the, the woman who died, um, and the, the glass shards on her body have been replaced, and they're kind of holes so she like it looks like a projection of his soul, heart, something, mm-hmm. um, and the police lights are just like blaring through her body, um, and it's a terrifying image. It's scary as hell. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're right that they didn't really need to show too much of you know his time in prison. As much as we see of how he thinks about the accident, like you can tell it's he's swallowed by it and that's kind of all he thinks about and you can just kind of feel the regret without him even saying one word about it right um and we learned that he was apparently a very uh, devout man uh mm-hmm. growing up he obviously has a bible with him in prison um and yeah very jarring introduction to who we assume is our main character of the show um mm-hmm. From there, uh, we get transported to the main location uh, and one of the best locations in any TV show, bar none, yeah. um, which is Crockett Island. Um, this small island community, um, you know, where I think there's probably like 40 to 50 people that live on the island. I want to say it's off the coast of like New York or something like that. I'm not exactly sure where it is. It's, it seems like upper, like, New England area, perhaps, as well. Coast of New York. I've lived in New York. We have a coast? Yeah, we got a coast. Right? I don't know. Geography's not my mainstay. I like talking about TV shows. And <laughs> I, yeah, games. I didn't Google where Crockett Island is. So. It's, definitely, it's definitely not a real place. No, it's not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we get introduced to all of our main characters, um, through which we get introduced to this um, one boy, uh, Warren Flynn. Um, who's played by Igby, Igby Rigney, um, who is, uh, we learned to find out, Riley's younger teenage brother. Um, mm-hmm. And he's going throughout the island, meeting up with his friends. Um, and, you know, him and his, uh, what's his troublemaker friend's name? Um, I can't remember his name. He's doing so well with names. Uker? Uker. Yeah, that's it. Um, I'm like, is this right? Yeah, no, it's Uker. Um, him and uh, and um, Warren are trying to get weed, as young teenage boys do, I guess. Um, and they go to the the port, the ferry stop. Again, I'm not good with boat terminology. Uh, I know, me either. Yeah, the port. Right, the port. Um, and there's a guy named Bull. Fitting name for a guy who sells weed, I guess. Um, <laughs> and he sells them the weed. Um, and in doing so, uh, the the new kid on the island, Ali, um, who is the son of the sheriff, um, is also tagging along with them. We get introduced to other characters, like Lisa Scarborough, who we know is paralyzed from the, the waist down, and she is uh, wheelchair-bound. 
and yeah, it's just I, I like the way they do this um, with a very um, I guess real thing that you would expect kids on an island to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and they do it in a good way of showing the entire geography of the town, while also introducing um, what you like. Is it like the the outcasts like area, yeah. which is the uppers, which is where where they go to to smoke. It seems like where all the cool kids go to to get away with some some bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really think about that of your point of like just showing kind of normal things that you know teenagers do because so much of the show is not normal things and things right. that we don't see every day. So I think that was a great way for for them to ground the location that we're going to be at. For sure. Um, we get introduced to even more characters, Annie and Ed Flynn, uh, who are um, Warren and Riley's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren is a, or sorry, not Warren. Um, Ed is a fisherman on the island, um, and fishing and and selling seafood is a, a I'm assuming one of the main like yeah exports job. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and jobs on the island. Um, but obviously, the big day because it is. You know, we get a time jump after Riley's prison scene. Um, is he's coming home? He is out of jail and part of his parole, I guess, or he had nowhere else to go. But he mm-hmm. goes home to the island, and um, you know, there's a bit going on between. Like, the mom is very happy to have him home. The dad obviously has a lot of resentment toward his son for what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like again, keeping and, and hammering home that idea of like we might be somewhere strange. But all these people are relatable and normal, and they feel real emotions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, definitely. And you can tell right off the bat that everything is very, very tense with Riley and his parents, even though his mom is happy to see him. You can tell Riley doesn't feel welcome there, and he doesn't particularly want to be there. But I'm assuming he must have no money and literally nowhere else to go because this seems like a very, very last result, resort for him. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, we get introduced to more characters. Uh, Kate Siegel returns, obviously. Um, she's in most uh, Mike Flanagan projects. If you've seen either The Haunting of Hill House, Hush, um, obviously, uh, you know the two are married and they work together, and mm-hmm. their their projects are amazing together. I think this. Yeah. I don't know if this role is better than her role in Hill House. I loved that character. Yeah, um, I did. I did love that one. But she's she's amazing here. Um, she also is kind of returning uh, to Crockett Island. Um, was mm-hmm. living out in the you know we'll say real world, uh, mm-hmm. but um, she she's back on the island. She's pregnant, um, and that is a a, a big point uh, to pay attention to uh, in the the first couple episodes here. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so. The, the one thing, like the one kind of like scary moment we get before um, our uh, religion, our Christianity plot kind of yeah. kick, kicks on um, is uh, Warren, Uker, and Ali. Like I said, they all go to the uppers to smoke and, and drink and do, do teenage boy things. Um, and while they're out there, you know, they're telling ghost stories and stuff like that. Uh, but there's one moment, again, classic Mike Flanagan jump scare because mm-hmm. he does a great job with the camera and, like, what your eyes focus on, and then, boom, there's something. Um, and there's some kind of 
creature it appears uh, to, to to be on the the uh, the island, perhaps in the upwards. There's two big glowing eyes. Uh, they think it might have been a cat because when they're walking through the upwards, it's also apparently home to all of the stray cats on the island. They all just live up there and, and have a good time, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, when you saw this, what did you think at this point? Because I was not in my mind going, okay, this is a monster TV show. Yeah, exactly. I thought it, I was confused because I didn't think there were going to be any kind of monsters. So I saw that and was like, okay, I don't know if we're going to come back to this or not. And yeah, I was definitely really confused just to see eyes like that. Yeah, it's very strange. And we learned that this creature, monster, whatever it is, um, eats a bunch of the feral cats on the island mm-hmm. uh, in the upwards, which is weird. It's like, okay, something that's something to watch. That's something to pay attention to. Um, but yeah, uh, like we mentioned, the, the, the Flynn family is very religious. Everyone on the island is very religious. We meet a yeah. couple characters. Um, Bev Keen, um, who's played by Samantha Sloyan. My God. We get a ton of backstory for a bunch of characters. We don't really get much backstory for Bev. Yeah. You don't need it. As soon as she appears and everything else she does in the rest of the show is is like ridiculously believable. And I don't know if it's just the fact that us in our minds are like, yeah, that's believable. I can believe that immediately. Um, mm-hmm. Or... Uh, I, I I don't know, but she's she's great. Bev Keen is one of the most despicable characters in the show. And, yeah. You know, yeah. When you hate a character like that who's supposed to be playing a role, that means they're doing a great job. Oh yeah, the the performance was amazing, and I know I feel like I want to say like that her behavior is believable, even though I haven't encountered that in my life because of how much religion I feel like plays a part in horror in general and i feel like she kind of has like carrie white's mom vibes yeah good call i could see that good call yeah to simply describe bev for now um she's the type of of woman uh and who's devoutly religious um Mm -hmm. and for her anything that happens in the real world there's an answer to her in her head in the bible somewhere and yeah. the words of the Bible can be twisted and bent to reason whatever in her mind. And it's a terrifying concept. And Samantha Sloyan does an amazing job at portraying her. Um, and yeah, the, she is one of the workers at the church. She also works at the school, I believe. Um, and then we also have Father, uh, or Monsignor, I should say. Monsignor John, uh, John Pruitt, uh, yeah. who apparently is off-island and not feeling well, but he's been the Monsignor there for years and years. Uh, he mm-hmm. was the Monsignor when Riley was a kid who was also an altar boy. Now Warren is an altar boy at the same church. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like a, it's like something a bunch of people on the island do every day. And, you know, part of my mind was like, is it just because there's something else to do? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, it's so funny. Um, but yeah, so like you said, everyone is extremely religious. They really, really trust um, Monsignor, like you said. Um, you know, they've known him their entire lives, basically. A lot of the people in the town grew up with him and knew him when he was younger and all of that kind of stuff. So the fact that he's gone does kind of 
put a weird vibe on the town. They're not really sure what to believe. And then we get the introduction of the best character ever, the Father Paul, um, a younger priest who comes to town and tells everyone that he knows where Monsignor Pruitt is. He's off the island. He's getting help. He was gone in Israel and, you know, he came back and he's not feeling well. So he's just going to replace him for the time being. And people are, I mean, I guess for a small town, it's not that surprising, but people are very, very trusting immediately. Yeah. I, I thought they'd be a little suspicious, but they're just like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's mentioned that he is in Jerusalem or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the the technical term uh, for the the trip that he was on, but he was yeah. he fell ill, and he asked Father Paul here to fill in in the meantime. Um, and yeah, like you said, everyone's pretty trusting, <laughs> except for one person uh, who's Beth, and she kind of I think picks up on something immediately uh, because after the the mass that they have. Um, and, and Father Paul has this amazing introduction where, you know, everyone is taking their seats in the pews in the church and the camera starts to walk and, and, and pan down the, the pews mm-hmm. and everyone in their, in their seats kind of like they do a double take and they're like, who, who what the hell's going on? And <laughs> you can tell something's up. Um, and it's obviously it's Father Paul, not John Pruitt. So they're a little concerned, and also Bev notices that he's wearing the wrong robes, I believe. Yeah. Um, for mass, which is like, hmm, that's strange. But okay, cool. Here's where the robes are. You know, don't do it again, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the ones he was wearing was like for a celebration or some type of occasion. Right. And she's like, why are you wearing those? And he's, you know, chalks it up to like, I didn't know where the others were. Or right. Something. something to remember. For all mm-hmm. of our listeners out there, yeah, and it's interesting that you brought that up because someone just clicked in my head. Um, but yeah, um, f- from the get-go, Hamish Linklater is the most convincing yeah. character, and every sermon that he does is mind-blowing um, when it comes to just again, can't take your eyeballs off the screen. It's mm-hmm. it's so good. Um, but yeah, uh, we get in, you know. Father Paul gets to meet all the characters. We get a little more backstory. Um, you know, we meet the Scarborough family uh, more in full. Uh, Dolly, who we kind of saw on the porch when the boys were going past Lisa's house, um, who is played by Crystal Belint, who we will be speaking to. So mm-hmm. very excited for that. Uh, and we meet Wade Scarborough, who is Lisa's dad, Dolly's husband, and the mayor of the island. Um mm-hmm. Very laid-back mayor. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he, everyone was just like, hey, do you want to just, like, be the mayor? And he was like, okay, sure, <laughs> why not? Um, uh, we meet uh, a couple of other characters as well, not particularly at the mass, uh, but we you know, we start to find out who's a little bit more religious and believing in their faith. Um, mm-hmm. Aaron, uh, who's played by Kate Siegel, uh, she also goes there. That's kind of when her and Riley start to reconnect because they haven't seen each other in so long. Um, and we also meet two other characters, Dr. Sarah Gunning, who's the main doctor on the island, and her mother, Mildred, um, who is aging and suffering from dementia. Um, so, yeah, very interesting here. That There's kind of a bunch of ailments on the island, and very specific ones, right? Like, you learn, like, Lisa's paralysis at such a young age is a terrifying thing. We come to learn that she was shot... Um, 
by someone on the island, Joe Colley, um, when he was drunk. Um, and it's not really alluded to whether he was hunting or he was just doing it. Yeah. Because he was drunk and bored and started shooting his gun. Um, also, one of the best characters. Like, I say that, but Joe Colley's character arc is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, you know, so we, we have Lisa. We have... Um, Riley, who's a recovering alcoholic. We know he's been sober for four years because he was in prison. Um, We have um, uh, Mildred, who's suffering from dementia. And then, you know, all relatively negative things when it comes to the the paralysis and the dementia. But we have Riley, who's recovering. And we have Aaron, who's giving birth to new life while on the island. So very interesting things that are going on here. Um, and I don't know if that's on purpose, but they all are very important to pay attention to for what happens in the show. Yeah, definitely. So once we kind of meet all of our all of our key players here, the end of the episode is very interesting um, because at nighttime, uh, Riley's kind of you know looking out the window and he sees a figure of someone who he thinks is Monsignor Pruitt just kind of strolling down the beach, um, even though there's a huge storm going on. So He's confused, and he's kind of like, does anyone else see that? Like, isn't that, isn't that Monsignor Pruitt? I thought he was off the island. Um, and, you know, people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just, you know, his family at home. So he runs out and tries to follow him, um, and he doesn't catch up to him. But even, I mean, we don't have to get into it now, but even looking back at this part from watching the whole thing, I'm a little bit confused. Yeah, I'm also a little bit confused. Um but, you know, let's just try to get in the mindset of, like, we don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also it's hard not to do that. <laughs> um, Either the, way, this was confusing. Yeah, it was confusing because there's some kind of – it looks to be a person roaming around yeah. on the beach. And, like, my immediate thought was, okay, that's whatever was just seen in the uppers uh, mm-hmm. with the boys at the beginning of the episode. Um but Riley said, like, he's wearing, like, his top hat or whatever. Yeah, he is, he is wearing a full set of clothes, which is yeah. a little strange. Um, and you can yeah. tell that the character who's running around in this uh, getup, he looks like he's in a disguise. And he looks very gangly. Like, he kind of yeah. looks like, um, what's his face from Malignant? Um, oh, Gabriel. Gabriel. I was like, Gabriel? Is that you, bro? <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's very strange. And it's it's like... Um, it's just weird that he would just run out in the middle of the storm and that for some reason an old man would be you know just pedaling along on the beach in the middle of like what they kind of hype up as like a big like thunderstorm hurricane right yeah Uh, but yeah at the end of it uh, the next morning the storm passes um, and they kind of go outside just to you know get some fresh air whatever in the morning and there is a startling discovery found on the beach Natalie Yep, there are, I don't know how many, it has to be hundreds of dead cats just laying all over the beach, which, one, shocking, of course, you don't expect to see that. Two, like, potentially dangerous if they have diseases, so I would not rush out there, but of course, people have to figure out what the hell happened. Yeah, um, and we also learn a little bit of backstory as well that the island had suffered a big time uh market kind of crash from Mm -hmm. from the uh an oil spill that happened out there so there's a lot of like question marks of like what did this to all the cats that they yeah Mm -hmm. uh we as the viewer kind of know that something was eating them 
in the upwards, but we also don't know why they are just all over the, the beach. Yeah. Uh, it could be the storm carried them out there from the upwards. We're not really given a full kind of geographic breakdown of how the island works compared to the upwards, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think it's really too important. It just knows that it looks like there's a plague. That's what I thought. I was like, okay, we're going to do like the seven plagues or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a shocking image to see. It is. Uh, again, like hundreds, really. It has to be, yeah, because it covered the whole beach. Yeah, it uh, looks like it is. Uh, it is very disturbing. But that is the end of book one, Genesis. Um, and from here, I was like, "All right, cool." That wasn't like I didn't even like have in my mind that that was a slow burn. I was like, next episode, let's go. Yeah, yeah. That's the same thing. I, I feel like the first episode isn't exactly slow. It's more of here's the setting, here's the characters, and at the very end, here's, you know, part of the threat that's going to happen. So, crushed it. Love the first episode. Yeah, what would you give it out of 10? Um, Maybe like an 8. Yeah, I think 8 as well. Um, mm -hmm. It's tough for pilots to be 10 out of 10s because yeah. you have to do a lot. Um, and obviously the pilot isn't the whole point of the show to begin with, yeah. <laughs> but, and it's the start of our story, but yeah, I'd give it a, I'd give it an eight as well. Um, but yeah, next up is episode two, AKA book two Psalms. Mm -hmm. So we kind of open up just where we ended on episode two. Everyone is on the beach and trying to figure out, you know, what the hell happened. Um, and Let's see. I know that they were trying to... Somebody was trying to, like, touch the cats, and the sheriff is out there like, don't touch them. They could have diseases. Like, we'll figure this out. And I feel like this is when we get a little bit more of the sheriff, who's played by Rahul Kohli, who was in Haunting a Bly Manor. Absolutely love him. Thought his character was awesome. And he is Muslim, and everyone else in the, on the island, almost everyone else, is white. So he's already an outcast, and in the beginning, you're kind of like, why did you subject yourself to the, to this place? You know, you seem like a normal guy. Why are you here? Which we get a little bit more information later on. But I think this is when, this was kind of like his big intro, and I really liked him right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, Sheriff Hassan, also probably in my top three or five favorite characters on the show. You mm -hmm. can definitely tell he's an outsider and has that outsider mentality. Um, yeah. And you don't get that. Um, and when I say outsider, I mean outsider to Croc. Like he grew up in the real world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and he doesn't have um, really uh, his big monologue comes towards the end of the show, uh, and it's it's great. It, it like he he's one of the characters that we get in his kind of like mode, and he's like that for the entire show. And you don't really get the full explanation until the end which makes you appreciate everything about his character and the way he was mm -hmm. uh, for the first couple of episodes. But yeah, um, him and, and Wade are trying to uh, kind of figure out what to do. Um, mm -hmm. And it clearly sounds like Sheriff Hassan knows better. <laughs> yeah. And Wade is, and the mayor is just kind of like, uh, okay. Like, he's got a very nonchalant attitude to being the mayor of like 50 people. Mm -hmm. Um which is is funny because that's how you would expect. Like you would expect that. I wouldn't expect like a power hungry, crazy politician. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like these are my fifty people. <laughs> um, my cats. In my cats, you. My cats are dead. Someone did this. Um, but yeah, 
Um, Sheriff Hassan is great. Uh, they're trying to figure out a plan. Um, Riley kind of alludes to him that he thought he saw Monsignor Pruitt on the beach. Uh, and both Wade and, and Sheriff Hassan are kind of like, that's weird. And Sheriff Hassan has clearly got the right mind thinking where he's like, okay, so you saw somebody who probably did this. Like, yeah. Can you tell me more information about this? And he's and Riley's kind of like, well, I don't know. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, 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 the cats... Uh, is a very interesting way to kind of get things started because uh, more or less, again, it's a jarring moment. But overall, you know, it's not some kind of like big prophetic thing that comes forward with the rest of the show. It's just kind of like an immediate thing that doesn't really get answered until later and it doesn't really need answering. But it does a great job at just setting the tone of what's going on on this island so far. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like the cats are kind of a catalyst for some of the next few events because Bev finds out about what happened and she takes like these really dangerous looking chemicals out from the school and is like gonna, you know, like put it all over the town. Basically, I think she just puts it over by the church and by, you know, the rec center and everything, Um, which a little extreme. She's trying to fight off whatever killed the cats um definitely dangerous to have in a town that kids live in but okay do you yeah she spreads this 1080 chemical all over the place um and it's funny too because like they're trying to figure out what did it and the mayor's like maybe it was a shark oh you know what that means sharks mean fish maybe the fish are coming back and everyone's like shut the fuck up mayor yeah no not it um but yeah, um, from there, uh, we learn uh, with Father Paul uh, as her, as him and Lisa Scarborough start to develop a very important relationship in the show um, mm-hmm. that Lisa was shot by Joe Colley, like we explained for the last episode, but it's, it's fully mentioned here. We got a little ahead of ourselves. Um, yeah. And, you know, we learn that Lisa is very devout uh, growing up. She loves her religion and what she learns in church. Um, in a very pure, like humani- humanitarian type of way, like she, she's very young, but you know, she's very different from Bev. You know, we get a character that's like, yes. this is all very interesting to me. I want to know more. Teach me more. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lisa is amazing. I love this character, and this is the character for this episode, mm-hmm. as we'll we'll talk about at the end. Um, but, yeah, uh, again, some more bonding between Father Paul and some of the other characters on the island. Obviously, uh, Mildred, who, like we mentioned, has dementia, can't leave her bed. She is more or less bedridden or even, you know, confined to the bottom floor of her house because Sarah yeah. doesn't want her going upstairs. Um, and Father Paul goes over to, to do mass at her house. Um, and you can really get the sense of, like, Father Paul ha- seems to have good intentions Despite his yeah. mysterious appearance. Um, yeah. Which is... It's so conflicting. You're like, is he bad? Is he good? I don't know. I love him. I don't know. He's so good. Uh, but the big thing about this episode, Natalie, is yeah. the the potluck happening yeah. in town. Um, and it's called the, the crock, crock pot. Crock potluck? Yeah. Because they call Crockett Island the crock pot. Right. Because it's like a blending of different... I guess people yeah. 
different walks of life. Right, even though it's like predominantly white and Christian. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah, the uh, the crock pot. I love the crock crock pot luck. It's a tongue twister. Try saying it five times fast. Um, but here we learn that uh, we have uh, what do we have? We have more bonding between uh, Riley and Aaron, and also mm -hmm. Riley and Father Paul. Uh, yeah. Because Riley has to attend AA meetings, and those are off-island, so he has to take the, the, the ferries back and forth. And Father Paul offers to do his own AA on the island for him, um, or his own... It's called something different, chapter, I think. I think, a chapter. Yeah, because it's religious, right? I think, there's a, I think there's a difference between... Maybe. I think there was something different there. I can't remember the terminology. But, again, a very nice gesture of yeah. Father Paul. But also kind of creepy, because he's like... I want to keep you on the island. I know. I know. And I think, too, like this early bonding that the two of them have is super important because Father Paul knows that Riley is not religious. When he went to church the first time, he didn't want to stand up and take mass. Father Paul kind of asked him about it, you know, why not? And he said, you know, I'm not religious. I don't really believe in this stuff anymore. And Father Paul accepts that. He's not, like, you know, forcibly trying to convert him, but he is talking to him and is there for him and you know of course he does want him to take mass and and do all those things but i think the like the gentleness and the kindness that he has with people right off the bat is why everyone just trusts him yeah and it's exactly why hamish linklater was the perfect casting for this character like yeah. I, I don't think any other character could have done um justice to to father paul um we get this but we do get this creepy moment with him where Sarah, I believe, appears to be talking to um, either a partner of hers or some kind yeah. of love interest. And mm -hmm. I don't believe she lives on the island. No, um, it didn't seem like that, yeah. Right. And they're kind of talking and they're sitting there. And we see Father Paul's just staring over at them. And Sarah makes an interesting um, foreshadowing point because she's like, yeah, the old priest here used to do that as well. And I'm like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the this this potluck takes a turn for the worse, and yeah, it is really very jarring and very disturbing and very upsetting. Um, but my God, what a scene in which this happens! Mm -hmm. uh, go go ahead, because it's 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 tough to watch. I know. I'm always the type of person where if a dog dies in a show or movie, I'm kind of like, fuck this. I don't want to watch it anymore. So I'm still mad about this, but fine. It happened. Um, Joe Colley's dog, who he's like best friends with, Joe Colley is another outcast on the island because of what he did to Lisa, because he's an out alcoholic. And him and his dog, you know, that's his person. That's who he has. And his dog you know, eat something off the ground, just being a dog, and he dies. And Joe is understandably furious and starts yelling and tries to figure out what's going on. And, of course, he immediately sus suspects Bev because of all the chemicals that she was so adamant on putting everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting moment. It's You know, we talk about, like, animal deaths in shows and stuff mm -hmm. like that, right? Um this one is very graphic, um, yeah. more or less, because the dog is essentially poisoned. 
Um, I think he eats like a hot dog off the ground. And I like, I like clocked it when I was watching it, but after I was like, okay, dog's eating a hot dog. And then next thing you know, yeah, like, shits in the fan in the, at the potluck. Um, and Joe Colley, um, who is played by, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Robert Longstreet, does a great job in this moment of like portraying to everyone. And he's like, I know you all don't like me. Like, mm-hmm. I know I'm hated around here, but why the dog? Like, yeah, exactly. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, which is like understandable. And like, you understand that he did a terrible thing to Lisa, but it's just like, who? Why the dog? Yeah. Why the dog? Um, and I do get a sense that a lot of people in town are very upset for him. They, they, you know, they're like that. I'm sorry for your loss. That's that's really sad. Um, mm. But yeah, we got this like creepy look from Bev, and I'm like, yo, Bev is up to no good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hated that. It was terrible. And yeah, I forgot about that. The Joe's whole, you know, I know everyone here hates me. Like very self-aware, but just like, why would you kill a dog? Which it's devastating. It really is. Yeah, and the manner in which Flanagan... Uh, it's a horror show after all, everybody. But it's the poison, the guts, the grossness. I don't want it. Yeah, but again, A-plus scene. A-plus yeah. scene. Um, but uh, but yeah, like there, there's more um, kind of rumors and allegations thrown Bev's way when uh, they kind of assume that she kind of embezzled money that was sent to them as part of a settlement with the oil company that caused the spill around the island. Uh-huh. So you're like, okay, I, I just keep hearing more and more things more that are not good about this woman. <laughs> I know, more layers of evil. <laughs> right. It's very, very confusing. And then the next episode, when stuff kind of comes to a head with her at the school, mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, you're done. That's it. You're probably going to be number one. Um, but... Yeah, the the AA meeting does go through um, with mm-hmm. with Riley and Father Paul, and again, this is like ten to fifteen minutes of monologuing from both characters. But man, it's beautiful. I can't take my eyes off the screen and stop listening. It's like I watch TV shows sometimes, and I like turn on my phone, I'll check Twitter, yeah. check Instagram, come back to the show. Right? Was not doing this at all during the show. Mm-hmm. I agree. The the dialogue is written so well, and. You know, they're talking about faith and how Riley, you know, doesn't want to accept God and everything like that. Why he's doubtful of of his faith after everything that will happen in his life. And it's like these conversations aren't like new. It's not like a revolutionary thing that they're talking about. But just the way the words that they're saying and like the eloquence that they're speaking in, it's just so beautiful. And like, you, yeah, you can't take your eyes off it. Even if, you know, that religion isn't something that I'm, you know, too familiar with or into. But I felt like I could relate to it in, like, a different sense just because of how, like, humanizing they were making the conversation, if that makes sense. Like, it didn't have to be about Christianity. It could really be about anything. And just the way that they were going back and forth was just so, so beautiful. Yeah, and how... uh... You know, in the scene, you can understand that Riley has a lot of um, angry feelings and guilt about it, right? And and Father Paul is trying to help him through what he knows of Christianity and his beliefs of being a priest and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he's also very willing to listen to him and also help him in any way that he possibly can. Um, and the whole idea of like Riley being like, "Yeah, I did this," the like. 
I turn to someone else when I drink, but that person is also me. And it's just Zach Gilford and Hamish Linklater fucking nailed this scene and yeah. every AA scene in this entire show uh, because it's a big point of a couple episodes moving forward. Um, but yeah, absolutely brilliant. And then, of course, you know, it's Midnight Mass. It's the name of the show. <laughs> Episode ends at church. Why not? Yeah, um, yeah it's Sunday Mass uh, and everyone's attending. Um, they do the whole thing. Um, everyone's present. Uh, Warren, Uker, who are the two altar boys. Um, and it's kind of been established that Warren has a little bit of a crush on Lisa. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, all the families are there. A lot of, uh, again, I'm, I'm not Christian, I'm not Catholic, a lot of... Yeah, me either. The, the body of Christ, blood of Christ, that type of stuff, you know, eating crackers and, and drinking. The, I think that's called taking mass. I think that's also called taking mass. Apologies. Like that whole process, I know I sound stupid, but I swear I've never done this, so... Are you... Uh, are you I'm not... Like, religious in any way? No, no. My mom, like, grew up Christian. My dad didn't grow up, like, as anything. So gotcha. I just wasn't raised, like, anything. Cool. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, you're right. I think it's called taking mass. Uh, I can ask my dad, who's who's Christian. Um, but, yeah, um, it's been going on multiple times uh, throughout this episode and last episode, as, I guess, people do a church. Again, never done yeah. it before. <laughs> Neither of you. <laughs> um, and... They've been drinking from this cup. That's the blood of Christ of taking mass. And mm-hmm. when going so and doing it at this point in the episode, um, Father Paul comes over to Lisa, who their relationship is pretty, you know, Lisa seems to trust him a bunch. Uh, yeah. And Father Paul seems to have taken a liking to her um, as being a young member of the community in the church. And he walks over to her. And because she's in a wheelchair, she's sitting in the middle of the of the church in between the two sets of pews. And he goes, blood of Christ, Lisa. And he doesn't move forward to her to hand her the the glass. And in this moment, I freaked the fuck out because I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I know, you're like, please say psych. I'm like, dude, this like, it's like disturbing. It's yeah. like terrifying. It's all these things that you immediately feel for all the, for this person who you were getting to know as the other island uh, people were getting to know. Yeah. And he just does this. And everyone's kind of like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. Like, Yeah, there's you, outrage in the church. Yeah, people start to freak out. Um, her parents. Um, Aaron, too. Aaron, uh, Riley's parents. It's very, very concerning. Uh, and he even takes a step backwards, mm-hmm. and he backs all the way on top of the another church terminology. I don't know <laughs> the stage. <laughs> the stage. There you go. Um, and he's like, "Come on, like, come take mass." Yeah. And everyone's freaking the fuck out. And then it just pans to Lisa, and she stands up and she gets out of the chair, and she walks up. And she takes the mass and she drinks the, the blood, uh, the, the blood of Christ, the, blood, the, yeah, wine, the, the wine. wine, yeah, the blood. Uh, she drinks the wine, and I think she says thank you, and the episode ends. And mind blown, mind fucking blown. What the, the, this episode for me? I was like, I don't care what happens for the rest of the show. Like that was fucking, that was the best television episode I've ever seen. 
I know that ending was fantastic and like chills. I have chills right now just thinking about the scene. It's it's so good. It really is. Yeah. Um, from the emotions that are all portrayed in the church of everything building up to like, what the fuck are you doing, Father? Mm-hmm. To the revelation and joy of seeing her walk again and not being sure if he did it or yeah. like was she misdiagnosed, which is get which is talked about next episode, um, is fucking mind blowing. It's beautiful fucking television. I know. It's wonderful. So that's the end of episode two. Yeah. Uh this is a ten out of ten. This is the this is the first this is the episode I was like, all right, cool. This is the best show yeah. I've ever seen. Okay. So slight change of news. That's the end of episode two, Book of Psalms, like we mentioned. But we're going to cut that here because we have our interview with Crystal Blint, who obviously plays Dolly Scarborough on the show, just had this big revelation at the end of the episode. Um, and we figure we can spread it out a little bit more. There's a lot to digest. We don't want to skip over a lot of information because episode three is a really, really big one. Um, so episode one and two today, interview with Crystal Blint, episodes three and four, five and six, and then seven will get its one episode. So I lied in the beginning. Sometimes people do that. I apologize. Yep. Shame on you, Max. Just kidding. So yeah, so we're going to spread out these uh, episodes just because they're amazing. There's so much to talk about. So definitely check back in with us for our interview with Crystal Blint and then also the rest of our Midnight Mass review. For sure. And you can follow me on Twitter at OddSlice and you can follow Natalie at Natalie Zamora with two A's. Yeah, and that's I, it. And I don't duplicate any vowels in my Twitter because I'm the original. Unlike Natalie. There's another Natalie Zamora wandering around there somewhere. Yeah. I guess. Her name is taken. Oh, man. Too bad. But, yeah. Um, check out our interview with Crystal Blint. Uh, is a joy to talk to uh, and gives a lot of good insight and kind of bridges our review when it comes mm-hmm. to talking about episode two and episode three. Um, if you want to be prepared, kind of watch through episode four. There's not much else when it comes to spoilers in the interview. Uh, we do a good job of kind of straying away from those but we do talk about one very important scene in episode three uh and you know i think you brought up a great point during that talk because yeah. it, it blew my mind i was it like you know when you're talking to someone and, sh- and they say something and it clicks in your brain they're like oh yeah i was doing that too yeah so, absolutely yeah, absolutely but yeah um check it out let us know what you think definitely the um you know no disrespect to jeremy ford because we love talking to him in fear street but it was awesome to talk to Crystal because of how much we love the show. It's going to get a 10 from me. I'm telling you now. I told you last episode when we reviewed that hunk of garbage known as Halloween trash. So, yeah. <laughs> a lot of emotions. Most of them good this time. So, yeah. Make sure you follow us along the way as we continue to review this show. And I hope you like what we think. Save big on Brunch for Mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.